Michelle C, a.k.a. DJ Make a Move. She cute. Your host of Candy Kids TV everywhere you need to be. <laughs> and if you don't know by now, it's not your typical interview, y'all. Candy Kisses, blown away. Candy Kisses, TV for tomorrow today. Throw that all the on that bitch. That be sound like Teddy Payne. It's your boy Talon, baby. Michelle and Candy Kisses TV. With my girl Michelle C. Don't take it personal. Run man from the fifth floor in the ATL, chili with Candy Kisses TV. What's up, y'all? You're watching Candy Kisses TV with my whole girl, Michelle. Hello there. Have you asked yourself what you're missing? I have. It's Candy Kisses TV. <laughs> I am Michelle C, a.k.a. DJ Make a Move, your favorite play cousin, and I am bringing you another amazing entrepreneur on this Motivation Monday. But before we get into that, make sure you go ahead and hit the subscribe button, and if you're listening via Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other streaming services other than YouTube, go ahead and hit the donate button. No amount is too small. Your donations help the podcast grow. Now, let me introduce you to another phenomenal entrepreneur known all over the comedy world. She is a comedy talent producer that has worked diligently for over 30 years in urban comedy. She began her career in comedy assisting in the development of the first Black-owned comedy club, the Uptown Comedy Club in Harlem, New York. Since then, she has worked on many other shows, including Talent Executive, Fox, Uptown Comedy Club TV show, NBC, Showtime at the Apollo, HBO Snaps, BET Comic View, Laugh Palooza, UPN Showtime in Harlem, and the world-renowned Russell Simmons Deaf Comedy Jam. She was also the producer and talent producer for HBO's He Diddy Presents Bad Boys of Comedy, as well as the talent producer of Bill Bellamy's Who Got Jokes, and many other comedy-inspired shows. She has played a major role in launching the career of Mike Epps, Lex Alexander, Tracy Morgan, Monique, Samore, J.B. Smooth, Raji, and many more. Presently, she has been a pioneer in packaging and presenting some of the most dynamic shows of our generation and has vowed to continue the trend of excellence by turning out the most sought-after talent ideas and fresh new concepts in urban comedy entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Miss Tina Graham. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. How are you? So go ahead and let everybody know your social media handle so we can get that out the way. Oh, my um, my Instagram is Miss the real Miss Tina Graham. So I'm happy the other one. So, <laughs> and my Facebook is just Tina Graham. That's it. So now, my first question is: When did you know that you want to get into in the entertainment industry, and what inspired you to pick comedy as the field of entertainment that you wanted to get into? Well, when I was fourteen, I started doing talent shows at my high school. In North Carolina. Yeah. We ain't going to say what year that was. <laughs> so were you so like the talent shows or were you in the talent shows? I, I, I have stage fright. I was in a couple of them, a couple of okay. shows. They used to have a show on called um, Putting on the Hits, which is now mm-hmm. Lip Sync Battle. Okay. I was raised in the 70s, 60s and 70s. So I thought I could do everything at the school that I saw on TV. I grew up in the South, in North Carolina. Okay. So we didn't have that many options to do anything you know 
So they go according to your curriculum. Your curriculum go according to where you live at. So we okay. didn't have much. So, so when I started doing talent shows. <laughs> yeah, well, I was born in Newark, but I was raised by my great grandmother in North Carolina. Okay. So you know, I thought I could do everything at the school. It was a small school, graduating class of seventy-five people. But oh, wow. whatever I saw in New Jersey or on TV, I thought I could do there. So okay. they had Star Search during that time too. So I said, I'm, I'm gonna be the next Star Search host, you know. So I started finding talent from everybody in like that county, not just my school. I'd go to other schools and do the star search thing. Oh, yeah. that's right. And yeah, then I, I, star I search. I'm an 80 baby, so I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought I could do that. Then they had a show called Putting on the Hits. I participated in that. And during this time, they had these songs all called Woman to Woman and His Woman to You. Mm -hmm. I performed that with my girlfriend. I was like, well, she did from his woman to you. I was like, I want that part. <laughs> right. When I first heard woman to woman, I was like, oh, she's stupid. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not doing this. No. Uh -uh. <laughs> I, I participated in that. Then I did do one talent show one year where I actually sung. I sang uh, Sukiyaki. Oh, so you, you got a little bars and then you can sing a little bit? A little bit. I was it, I, the girl I had playing the piano. She was playing it so fast, and I was like, "It was going too fast." I was like, "Oh my gosh, she needs to slow it down." But she had never heard the song before, and she learned okay. it overnight. Oh wow! So, so y'all both was up there struggling. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was cool, but I was just like, "Wow, she's going too fast." So I had to sing the song. <laughs> it was crazy. Well, you had you did the remix. Yeah, but I did it four years straight, and my cousin. I was a tomboy and I came up to New Jersey and my little cousin, AKA Erica, actually known as Keith, put me at a fashion show and put me in some heels and it was on. I know that's I, and the only time I wore sneakers when I was chilling. I was uh, chilling for six years. Okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> <It was> nuts. <laughs> so I, when I came to Jersey, it was more about the fashion shows. Mm. And, the, and I started doing the talent show around 80. I moved back to Jersey in 84. And I, um, my mother owned a boutique, so she did fashion shows for a boutique. It was swimwear and lingerie. Oh, okay. So I was out there kind of exploiting myself in swimwear and <laughs> lingerie. <laughs> Look, mama said, we got to pay these bills now, come on. <laughs> I ain't mad at her. Yeah, it was, it was cool. That's how people asked me to do, it, do their fashion shows that I called a stalker. I was like, this is over. Mm -mm. <laughs> my picture ended up in a club and, and like in, at, uh, full length. I was like, oh my God, take it down, take it down. Wow. <laughs> Don't do that. And the photographer was like, I thought you were going to like it. I said, you take it down or I'll take you out. I, listen, I, you got to feel safe. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you, did you always want to work in the comedy field or did you just want to um, work in TV and comedy in general? Well, actually, comedy kind of fell in my lap because I used to use Bill Bellamy and Hamburger as my comic relief for my fashion shows. Okay, so I remember Hamburger. I don't know what he's in now, but I, yeah, I definitely remember he, not, he don't live far from me. He lives in Elizabeth, too. Okay. I live in Elizabeth, New Jersey. But he, um, actually, Bill Bellamy was the first one I started putting in fashion shows. Okay. I mean, he was just, he was just comic relief for the fashion shows. Then mm -hmm. I started going to the comedy club because Hamburger didn't know me at the time. But I was dating like this record producer and they was performing at a club and Hamburger was hosting it. Right. And I guess he sought me out to pick on. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? I was like, okay. what's his name and what he going to be next so I can heckle him. Right. So I started going to comedy clubs. 
built like 87. And, yeah. and, and I got to all these comedy and I started going to Uptown Comedy Club. Then I found out they had a place called Terminal D. Okay. And Bob Sumner was the DJ and mm. Terry Hodges was the host. But when I went, the first time I went, I went because I was on some creeping stuff. I was like, I fell into that bar because they had good chicken wings. <laughs> right. And it was a com. They was doing comedy. This was 1988, and they were doing comedy at a strip club. I was like, really? Yeah, I've heard about that recently because I've I've been around comedy clubs for a, for a minute now, and they do a lot of comedy shows at the strip club. I'm like, how does that go together? But if okay, if that works. This was 1988. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my god! You know, yeah, they, they, goes. Goes. they didn't know anything about comedy, black comedy, except for Eddie Murphy. And yeah. uh, Richard Pryor, and they were Richard. Uh, that's the only time I started watching Saturday Night Live was with Richard when Eddie Murphy was on it. Other mm-hmm. than that, I grew up on Flip Wilson, and Carol Burnett, and uh, Johnny Carson. That's the only channels we could get. Right. You know, back in the woods, if you had a good clothes hanger with some aluminum foil, you might get three channels. Okay. <laughs> that's the only one you watching too, and then you yeah, went wait to mash them on. Yeah, I grew up with like Flip Wilson, you know, and. Roland Martin laughing. Remember that? I know. I remember Flip Wilson. I remember Golden, but I remember Flip Wilson. Yeah, that was 70s. I'm telling my age. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm an 80s baby, but like I'm early 80s, so I, I got a mixture of, you know, both. So I like what yeah. Red Fox and all that. I know, I know those. Like, what's funny is I didn't realize um, Red Fox was such a filthy comedian. <laughs> and when I yeah, think but he's clever with his. No, he's I mean, it's clever, good, yeah. but I didn't... Cause, when I grew up, all I remember, I knew him from Sanford and stuff. And then right. he was a comedian, too. And I was like, oh, let me look up his comedy. And I looked up and I was like, oh, he has a filthy mouth. <laughs> yeah, well, my father used to have all the filthy albums that we used to okay. listen to. Yeah. And it was back in the day, it was like Lenny Bruce and uh, uh, Red Fox and a few other people that was underground. Even Richard Pryor had a lot of albums out. Yeah. Yeah. But it takes a, a genius comic to have an album that you can actually visualize stuff. You know, oh, absolutely. You know, a lot of these comics now, they're visual. If you didn't see them, you won't get it. Right, right. You know, they got music in the act. Right. Like, really? They're not joke tellers. You know, they're not storytellers. Mm-hmm. Which probably was. So, they albums was just like a regular album where they had a title of what they were talking about. That's right. Yeah, that, know, that's so. that old school. Like, I, I knew you have to be a great writer, and that's what I didn't know because I'm a writer as well, but mm-hmm. I didn't realize until I started kind of being in the comedy scene that, like, they're not just, you know, people that make you laugh. They actually, it's a skill set. You got to write. You got, like, Absolutely. it's a lot that goes with it. <laughs> so. Yeah, it especially when you got a joke that you can call back later on. In Texas, you have a really comic that can improv to do that. You mm-hmm. know, because if you're telling a joke and it sticks, people are going to remember that callback later on when you do something and call that joke back. That's right. Oh my God, it's funny. And that's mm-hmm. how you just develop a, like a, a stage presence where people know you by that joke. You know what I'm right. saying? A signature mm-hmm. joke. Yeah. That yeah. kind of sticks. But when I, around 88, I, I was working at, uh, I had a bar. And I used to do fashion shows and talent shows there. As a matter of fact, one year in 1989, I had a talent show and it was a group that wanted to be in it, like a special guest. And I let them in it because I was friends with their manager. A year later, I heard them on the radio, but they didn't have the same name. Okay. I was like called a singing bartender. So I mm-hmm. was singing the song, but it was on the jukebox. And I was like, man, play that song. 
And I would say the song and go around the bar. They would give me tips and stuff. And, was, and I was like, they said, you don't even know who that is. I was like, who is it? He said, remember that group that was in your talent show? Mm -hmm. I said, nah, that's not them. They said, yes, it is. I'm like, steady said, you down with OPP and you know me. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I said, nah, that's naughty by nature. They said, no, that's some guys that was in your talent show. Okay. They were called New Style at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's Vinny. Vinny like, girl, you take me back to my humble beginnings. <laughs> I know that's right. That that's like I had a story like that about Silk. Um, when they before they became Silk, they mm -hmm. they sung at my uncle's wedding, mm -hmm. and I remember when they came out. Like, I mean, this is years after. Like, that was way back when. And when they finally came out, I was like, that's the same group that was at my uncle's wedding. Oh, they famous now. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's so cool when you can see where they came from and how they just blow up. Exactly. And well, the same thing with the comedians. It's like, I started, uh, Bob Sumner came to my bar and he was, you know, he was sitting there at the end of the bar. And he stayed there all night until I finally paid him to see what I bartend. You just a drink. <laughs> you run the call, you hand it on the rocks and whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I come ask you what another drink. That was it. I had no conversation. I need to get my money. You know what I'm saying? Right. So um, at the end of the night, he was telling me that he had a spot. When he was doing comedy that I could do it there because I had to stay there. Okay. And I was like, I don't know. Then he would say, Well, you know, I he worked at Terminal D. I said, I was at Terminal D before. They were doing that's a strip club. Mm -hmm. He said, Yeah, but they do comedy on Tuesday. And I said, Yeah, I went there. It was like five people in there. But I hadn't went in months. Okay. He said, well, Tuesday night, I DJ there. But I was a DJ. So I went. I hung out and Terry Hodges was hosting. It was packed. Mm. On a Tuesday night, and this is like, I think this is 1988, 89. Okay. Like 88 going into 89. So, you know, he said, I could introduce you to the Brown Brothers. The Brown Brothers was the owners of the Uptown Comedy Club in Harlem. Mm. Okay. But I had, I had went there too because, like I said, I was chasing hamburger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I'm just trying and to get my hamburger, get back. I <laughs> had a shower show. I'm like, boo. I showed like five girls. You're like, boo. Boo, boo, you ain't got no joke. Had a boo squad no My brother's funnier than you. And he was in the corner me one day and said, Who are you and why you keep messing with me? <laughs> you owe me some money. <laughs> he was like, Why? I said, You made me part of your act. And we became mm -hmm. friends after that. I can't and believe you had a whole crew that just followed him around the booth. <laughs> I'm the Sagittarius, honey. I got revenge. <laughs> I wanted my money. <laughs> but yes. it brought me into comedy. You know, I started watching other comics. You know, okay. so he, he doing comedy show at Bogies one night in a place in East Orange. He mm -hmm. called me in the back, coming out of the bathroom. He's like, "Who are you and why you keep picking on me?" This is 1988. Yeah, <laughs> I was sure. So I introduced me to the Brown Brothers, and I started getting comics from the Uptown Comedy Club with Andre and Kevin Brown. Okay. So I have Bob to think for even bringing me into comedy, you know. So he mm -hmm. introduced me to the Brown Brothers. A lot of stuff happened in between that, but we go get into that. Okay. Because <laughs> I was managing a singing group. Okay. And Bob said his family came from music. So Bob was helping me out with the uh, with the guys. And the Uptown okay. Comedy Club let me let them perform there. And then I opened up another spot with this guy named Kurt Gilmore, downtown Newark, right right. 1991, 92. And then Terminal D was getting bigger in 1990. 
Bob left Terminal D with Terry and went to Club 88. Mm-hmm. In 1990, when st- stuff started developing for black comedy, because people yeah. was coming all over the country to come to Uptown Comedy Club. They never paid anybody, but every week, it was hip-hop artists in there. It was Russell Simmons, P. Diddy, uh, heavy, heavy, any, all the guys from Uptown Records. Mm-hmm. At the time, Puffy was an intern for Uptown. You know, that's Harlem. Right. So they would hang at the Uptown Times, the Western Snipes, all of them hung there. And okay. uh, so it was like, you never knew who you were going to see at Uptown Comedy Club. And so not, not, only, not only did they do stand-up, they had sketch comedy, and they featured hip-hop artists. If you wanted to be a hip-hop artist and go up, it, it was like a, a showcase room. Okay, I was going to say, so you don't, you don't get paid, but you at least get to show your talent and have an option Absolutely. to possibly get picked up. Yeah. And at the time, nobody knew what to pay a comedian anyway. The reason why they even started um, the National Black Theater with the Uptown Comedy Club because they couldn't get in the white clubs. Mm. They couldn't get in Dangerfield and Catch a Rising Star or, you know, the Laugh Factory. They couldn't get in those, in those rooms. If you did, you had to be a bringer comic, and that still wasn't guaranteed because you was black. Yeah. Even Caroline's, catch, um, you know, Catch a Rising Star, all those clubs. They didn't allow no black people in there. So how do they even figure out how to pay a comic? Well, they never did pay anybody. And they had well, no, I mean, like, as, as comedy grew, how is they okay? The black comics are spoiled because the white clubs never really paid comics anything anyway. Maybe fifteen dollars okay. and a check. I think the comic store, all the comic clubs in LA, is the same thing. Fifteen like maybe twenty, fifteen, seventy-five. Yeah, only people that got paid big time was people that was famous. Like back what? in the day at um, Danger Cousin and Catch a Rising Star, if you wasn't JJ Walker mm-hmm. or uh-huh. um, George Wallace. You weren't coming in there anyway. Well, so J.J. Walker was, he was like the big comic back in the day. I can't figure out how did they even, because I mean, I get it was different times back then, but if you look at how a comedy club is structured, if you don't have a, co- a, a comic to do the show, you have no show. So why would you not want to pay them? Because there's always comics in there trying to get on stage. There's always comics in there. It just did not want that many black comics in there. <laughs> That's why they call it mainstream. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they had the monopoly on the club. Yeah, we didn't have, we didn't own any black comedy clubs. They thought it wasn't even enough comics. Michael Williams tried to get a comedy show on TV since 1985. Mm. And they told him, and he owned a comedy club in Atlanta and LA. Wow. And they told him there wasn't enough black comics. But it was a lot of black comics on the underground circuit. They just want to give us a shot. You know, so the Uptown Comic Club was created. But Showtime and Apollo were featured comics, but they would feature them in the amateur portion. Right. And Terry Hodges talked them into having a professional segment for comedy. Yeah, so I think after that time. It's messed up how they do um, Apollo, like, well, before they gave it a segment, because I'm not going to lie to you, like, I've only been to Apollo one time, but I'm like, I go, I just went because I wanted to boo. I didn't go to. I didn't go to really look for a good time. I'm like, I just want to boo. And then, then it would be the day that I go that everybody was good. I was like, dang, I can't even boo. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I, used so I used That was my first TV show. I mean, outside of Inside Stuff. I used to work for NDA. And yeah. I, I worked for Inside Stuff Amar, with Amar Rashad. Mm-hmm. And when I was working for the NBA, 
when that show ended, they sent me the human resources. I was like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> then they want me to be permanent. I was like, nah, I'm like Tempest. So when, the, when Andre Brown called me and said, do you want to work for the upcoming TV show? I was like, bye. I know that's right. <laughs> now, did you- um, Showtime, they tested me out with Showtime at the Apollo because it was the same director. Okay. So I am at the Apollo that year. That's how I met Don Curry, um, Montana Taylor, Jay Lamont, because I went to Houston, met uh, Rashawn McDonald, because he owned the club, the Hip Hop Comedy Stop. This is 1992. Mm -hmm. So I went all over looking for comics because they would send me those tapes back in 92. They were horrible. Oh, wow. <laughs> so some of the tapes were good, but mm -hmm. some of them was like, did you take this in your bathroom? <laughs> I'm like, oh my god! I had thousands of tapes coming. I'm like, yeah, this is nuts. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody had a, nobody had emails back then, right? In '92, I was still paying for AOL. Oh no, people don't understand how um, presentation is everything. Because I used to work for because I'm a DJ and I write and all this stuff too. But I used to um, intern at um, Holyfield's label. Nice. Um, and then the label, and so we would get the package of the DVDs and the um the CDs and demos, Gross. and it would be like a blank CD, and then it'll just have like a, a tape a piece of tape on it with um, them boys. And like, okay, if you want somebody to take you serious, this is not gonna be it. It's like, like I'm an intern and I know that. I'm like, come on now, presentation is everything. Why would you? Even if the talent is good on the CD, just the package alone makes me want to throw it to the side. <laughs> but people don't Absolutely. understand the value. But see, back then, we're talking VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I know. 92, yeah, VHS they, they still had cassettes. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, like, and now, like, these, these days, it, it's, there's no excuse. Everything is so accessible. You, If you can't make your product look professional now, then you ain't trying. <laughs> you just, you're not. <laughs> right, yeah, everything is so easy. You know, they got YouTube now. When I promoters, when mm -hmm. I suggest a comic, you know what they do? They go straight to YouTube and see what they got on there. Mm -hmm. That's yep. what I keep telling you. For me, that's up to YouTube, even if it's two minutes, because the attention span, if you ain't got somebody in one minute, they're not going to keep continuing to look at it. That's right. You got to start funny in order to keep their attention. I tell them you got the BCA rule. You start with B, you keep it with C, and you end it with A, because you're only as funny as your last joke. That's it. That's it. People don't forget about the middle. As long as you laugh, even if you've done 25 minutes and you do, even if it's an improv joke, if you don't have a joke that's going to follow that joke and people fall out their seat, say goodnight. <laughs> right. If you, you don't want to end, you don't want to end like. Exactly. You'd have this high note and right. all of a sudden you'd be like, okay. <laughs> if you don't have anything to follow that laughter, Bye. Mm -hmm. Say good night. Remember, he was hilarious. <laughs> mm -hmm. You can't do nothing yeah. else. Wrap it up. That's that's what you do. <laughs> so I was gonna ask you. You gotta have that trilogy. I was gonna ask you. Did you um actually go to school or um or for video production at all, or did you just kind of wing everything? No, I just know talent. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying as far as no, I went to, producing the show. I went, to a college. I went to a community college in North Carolina, but it had nothing to do with that, with general education. Okay. I so much to be a lawyer. I should have. <laughs> well, I mean, with all this entertainment but, uh, that you're doing, you might need to go ahead and... Uh... <laughs>
Get that, get that entertainment lawyer cracking. <laughs> I follow a lot of politics, so I used to work at the UN. I didn't get into politics, so I was working at the UN. I left the World Trade Center right before they bombed it the first time. Oh, wow. I was at the World Trade Center for about three years, from 87 to 90. Then I left. I took a job at the UN. Stayed there for about a year or two, and then I went to the NBA. But that, I wanted to be a temp because I wanted to be into entertainment. So I wanted mm-hmm. to be, at the time I was dating somebody in entertainment anyway. So you done been everywhere. <laughs> Dibbling down with a little bit of everything. I, I have a problem with relationships. I had a problem with commitment back in the day. Well, hey, I mean, when you so, when you moving and shaking, you ain't got time to be waiting on no man. Oh, they know better than that anyway. <laughs> I go into the relationship like, don't ask me no questions, and I won't ask you none. That's it. <laughs> like, now, what what is, go. <laughs> now, what exactly don't do you ask you? Zero. <laughs> now, what do you actually yeah, but do? They call it my phone is, I mean, not my phone, I'm sorry. This thing is kind of choppy, so I'm trying to catch what you just said. Say it one more time, I couldn't hear you. I was saying that they fall in love too fast. Dude, that's usually our problem. So if, it, if the shoe was on the opposite foot, then you in good hands. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question is, what do you actually look for when you're looking for talent? Um, the first thing I see is, like you said, presentation, first impression, confidence, content, delivery, timing, substance, you know, and and humility when you come off stage. I I like when comics say, I could, I I can always do better instead of saying, oh, I killed it. You suppose other people say that, not you. That's not being humble at all. You know, I like to see them always on time. You know, I like to see the hunger. But, you know, that fearlessness and willing to go after what they want. But they got to be funny. You got to have that timing and, you know, just funny jokes with substance. I don't want to hear some of the stuff I hear over and over and over again. I just shut down, (laughs) you know. Like, come on, can you got another subject? I don't know you got some kids or something, some family members that's messed up or something. You got an opinion on what's on the third page of the newspaper? You know, <laughs> give me something that I ain't heard already, you know? So that's pretty much what I look for. You, know, you got to have the presentation, you know, when you come up there, you got to be confident. I don't want to hear, I don't want you taking a survey or how many Sagittarius in the room and where you from. I don't need that. So no, no crowd participation at all. <laughs> Not at all. Come on now. I don't need a survey of who's here. Right. You know, you just wasted three minutes. They might only have five minutes of jokes, though. That's what I wasted them three. <laughs> when you audition for me, you're only getting three minutes. If you don't have me in the first minute, you don't have me. Well, hey. That, hey that that you had six minutes. That's it. If you don't have me laughing in the first two minutes while you're auditioning, what's my purpose of looking at you? True. Because you only got six minutes on the show. So if you don't have me laughing, you're supposed to show me what you want to put on TV. 
that you've worked 10, 15, 22 years. It don't matter how long you've been doing it. It only matters to other comics how long you've been doing it. If you got your stuff together in two years, and just because that person did it for 20 and they ain't got where they want yet, that's their problem. Because mm. we don't ask you when you audition for us how long you've been doing it. Give us, Give us two minutes. Period. <laughs> <laughs> some people are just unnatural. Yeah. Some part, you know. Some people could be doing it twenty years, and they come back and audition for me. I'm like, didn't you do that joke five years ago when you auditioned? This oh, this girl got a photogenic memory for jokes. <laughs> and then that's the best part about it. It's not like they they expect to see you again. They were like, dang, <laughs> she here again. <laughs> Now they're going to see me again. They hate when I judge. They'll be like, oh my gosh, you're judging? So <laughs> <laughs> they look at the list of like, oh, Tina's here. All right, let me see what I got. <laughs> well, okay. They put music in their act. We mm -hmm. can't get clearance for that. And a lot of times, their strongest this joke, their, their strongest joke is some music joke, but that's right. not I did not realize how, because I mean, I'm learning that now, like with TV and scripts and stuff like that. I did not know how, well, I know you have to get clearance, but I didn't know clearance was that pricey. So now I understand why people are like, uh, uh, no music. Because <laughs> clearance. Up on Comedy Club, they didn't mm -hmm. charge a dime because they wanted, they wanted their hip hop artists out there because there was no television for hip hop in the, night, in the early 90s. Even mm. Soul Train didn't want hip hop on Soul Train. Right, right. So when the Uptown Comic Club TV came out, they featured hip hop artists stand up and sketch. Mm. Tracy Parker was the last cast member they cast before they stopped the show. Okay. Tracy had only been doing comedy two years. Wow. <laughs> and the show never got canceled. It's just that they wanted to move the show to LA. Yeah. And uh, the Brown brothers didn't want to take it out of Harlem because at the time Harlem really didn't have nothing but the 125th Street vendors. Okay. Because Showtime at the Apollo wasn't really doing anything under the Sutton, um, the Sutton clan, mm -hmm. and that's all they had was the Uptown Comedy Club, where mm -hmm. people came from all over the country, you know, and they didn't want to take it out of Harlem, so they got Reicher, or whoever the distributor was, said, "Okay, we'll buy you out there." Yeah, okay. they could have made it look like Harlem. The deal breaker was the fact they were only going to take two cast members, which was Flex Alexander and Tracy Morgan. Mm -hmm. They weren't taking none of the other cast members. Ain't that messed up? They didn't know that, so they turned on the Brown Brothers. Okay. <laughs> but Kevin Brown, one of the other Brown Brothers, ended up on um, doing stand-up comedy. Mm -hmm. okay. And on Thirty Rock with Tracy Morgan. But he didn't get that job through Tracy. He just, he had to work hard to transition from club owner to stand-up comedy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's not no easy task when you used to just copping all the shots and now you got to be humble again. <laughs> so he was he was always humble. He just was behind the scenes, you know. Yeah. And he just figured he'd try his hand at it. And he was pretty good at it. I mean, ended up on a lot of movies. You know, he did what he had to do. Because they were actors, too. The Brown brothers were actors. Because Andre Brown... They are like black belt, green belts in karate. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I think they studied where was Wesley Snipes studied that because Wesley Snipes is their frat brother. But uh, I didn't even know karate. Wesley Snipes really had moves like that. So he studied for that. Oh yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're, they're all was from karate. 
I ran into like the Hudlin brothers. I was at the black um that comedy festival in uh, Acapulco Film Festival, mm-hmm. the black festival they do every year. And he was like, "And hey, where are you from?" I said, "Well, I work at the Uptown Comedy Club." They said, "With them karate niggas." karate. And if you was down with them, mm-hmm. you had to learn karate. Oh wow! That taught you discipline. Yeah, it taught you discipline. You know, and they call themselves the Uptown Comedy Club Gladiators. Okay. All Everybody that was down there had to learn karate. Wow. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I took I took karate like when I was younger, and I quit. Yeah, because it does take it take it does take some serious discipline. I was like, yeah, this ain't for me. <laughs> I don't know karate. I'm like James Brown. I don't know karate, but I know karate. Karate. I, I know that's right. <laughs> now, what is your ultimate goal in the inter- entertainment industry? What do you hope to achieve? Well, hopefully, I I got a couple of shows I want to produce. Okay. They're like a combination of everything I've done. You know, I, I, I combined the fashion show with the stand-up comedy. Okay. And the comedians, they model for me. Dope. And in between scenes, and not only that, I feature designers and black models and everything. I've been doing this since 1995. Okay. So the comedians with the, the real models, they go on stage, they do skits and stuff in it. And so you you like the original Rip the Rebel Ray? Yes. Somebody said, fuck you, tell story your idea, because he came after me. Oh, wow. Yeah. so popular. I did it at all the colleges. I mean, the best one to me was Xavier University. Mm-hmm. Zoomhead and Tony Tone turned it out. You hear me? No, that's and, right. Uh, Mike Epps got sick and threw all over the couch. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, and I used the, the um, combination with the students. They set up the stage and the whole nine. I did it. Nice. That was 1998. I did it. They featured it at Laugh mm-hmm. All Star Weekend in LA, uh, Super Bowl Weekend in Detroit. People just wanted to do it. I did um, Howard, uh, the theater, Howard Theater in DC. Okay. I did, I did a Memphis Peabody Hotel. I did a lot of colleges in Chicago and just took it all over. But the, the problem with it was getting the crew yeah. you know loyalty is everything you know i got like three people that's always loyal to me like marco hall he's the designer for jill scott and tamar braxton he's their designer now mm-hmm. so and there's two uh three other people Lashawn, sabrina bryant and um dahlia hawkins and her sister they twins okay. they go wherever i go i know that's right yeah but you know you got to constantly get a person to get the designs and the comedians get to keep some of the clothes too. And sometimes oh, nice. they sponsored all year, like Michael Blackson and Kevin Hart, Mike mm-hmm. Epps. They all did it. Tyler Craig, God rest the dead, was one of the best models I ever had. <laughs> I know. I remember. I miss him. Yeah, I, I, I know him. But yeah, it. Yeah, he, but he was know, doing that I for a minute. I didn't know that Tyler could model like that. Yeah, because he used to do his mom's fashion so show. And then I thought his mother was in fashion. Yep. And and mm-hmm. John Blaston game is a good friend of mine. Mm-hmm. She used to work for John Blaston. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he told me that I said, "What? Are you, I said you cheating the game." <laughs> but he and Berger, all of them has done the fashion show. L.A. I had Angela Means was helping me with that. Kim Whitley, um, Hope Flood. Um, I did the one in L.A. in 1996, 97, right after we taped Death Comedy Jam. Oh, 
Okay. There weren't many people in that fashion show. It was all LA. AJ Johnson has done all of them because he likes to co-host. The, my original host is Monterey Ivy, who used to be a cast member on the Uptown Comedy Club. And he's okay. hosting the Uptown Comedy Club every week. He passed away in 2001, but we started the fashion show in 1995, and he passed away in 2001. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that was sad. I got pictures. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always, it's always good to have memories. And they, look, a lot of people that's not here anymore, you know, God rest their soul, but they're doing better than we are. We still in this quarantine. We still struggling. <laughs> you know, so. I be waking up every morning saying, I hope this was a dream. I feel like Twilight Zone and can't get out. Yeah. And that book, well, that leads me to my next question. What is keeping you motivated during this quarantine, especially, you know, with everything going on? Well, I wasn't really motivated at first until I got a phone call from Miss Karen Addison saying, I need you to book my comedy club. I said, bet. I'm back I at it. That's right. <laughs> so she's starting a comedy club starting into this month in Detroit. It's called the... Um, the Deepak Comedy Club. Okay. My first show is going to be Pierre. And the second show, let me think who it is. Oh, Kareem Green out of New York. The second one, I think, is Honest John and Howie Bell, which I didn't call them yet. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not, I know Pierre and Howie Bell. I'm not familiar with the other two. Honest John? I, don't, I know I the name, but I don't, like, I, I don't know. Oh, I know who you're talking about now that you said that. Yes. Yeah. Like, I know I know the name. I just can't place who. Yeah, but I, I got the whole month of November booked already. I got AJ Jafar. Well, look at you on your grind. I'm trying to keep this money, you know. They cut off my lifeline. I can't book anything. And I had so many shows yeah. lined up. Yeah, I was going to get out and start doing workshops with the comedians, giving them some insight on comedy. You know, well, you can still do the workshops. You've got to do them through Zoom now. Ready for them. <laughs> well, no, that's what I'm saying. You can still do that. You can do it through Zoom, and then they, they don't get the cold until they pay. There you go. Like, listen, like, there's a million ways to hustle, and I found out about the 50 of them. <laughs> so. Oh, we need to talk after this. Hello. <laughs> yeah, now, I'm gonna what, start with Mike Espen trying to get me to do a podcast for the last three years. I said, if I do one, you're gonna come on. He said, uh -huh. Yep. Craig Robinson said the same thing. I said, Okay, I'm gonna get come people that comments can't get. <laughs> Listen, I'm telling you. Well, then you, uh, we definitely gonna talk after this. I'm gonna show you how to hook it up. So, <laughs> so, so what are some words of wisdom? Somebody offered me um, to be on their radio station. If I get it started, yeah, because um, they got Dash Radio, Marcus King got Dash Radio, and they started another radio station, kind of like YouTube. Okay. And he said, if you get it together, let me know, and I'll get you on iHeartRadio and all these different stations. Well, it sounds like to me that we need to become a dream team and go ahead and get this together. Because <laughs> they said Howie Bell got a show on there that's popular, and, and Corey Holcomb had a show on their network. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen Corey's on YouTube. So if it's the same thing, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and they what they do, yeah. uh, I think it's like a, it's a subscription thing. And yeah. you charge $1.99. Mm -hmm. And you get the dollar and they get 50 cents. And somebody else gets 40 cents. Something like that. 
Yeah. And that's the problem. You know, I got about 40,000 people on Facebook. You know, somebody hacked my Instagram. I had like 12,000 followers. Somebody hacked me. I was like, oh my God. They took over my whole page. Now I had to start and over. I've heard people saying that and how that happens. And I'm like, I guess, well, I ain't popular enough for people to care what I got going on. <laughs> but, but I'm like, well, what are they using it for? Like, what, what is the purpose of them hacking me? I really don't know. And, and then they got so many people that's cloning people. They okay. cloned for a long time. Like, you got another. I was like, that is not me. They took uh, the they done took the whole Miss Tina Graham name off of it mm-hmm. and got that name on it, but all they got is my pictures. Which I have the pictures anyway, because the pictures come out of my phone. Yeah. You know? But I'm like, I gotta start over. <laughs> I don't even see the I, I guess the only purpose I would because I'm just trying to think the logic behind it. Like, what's the logic? Do you just need the numbers? I don't understand. Because you can't, there's, you don't put any money on Instagram. Well, you I don't put any numbers so, like, on what are you, so One time, what are you I, reported, I reported somebody that was using mine that was asking people for money. That's still, and oh. that, I, I hate Messenger. Yeah. So they let everybody get on your Messenger. And then mm-hmm. they're asking for money. I was like, oh, no. This ain't mm-hmm. who I live. Then they act like they know you. How you doing today? No, you know what get on my nerves? The new Bitcoin people. <laughs> Them, I, if I get another Instagram or somebody saying, hey, how are you today? And I'm like, what do they want? Because anytime somebody say, hey, how are you? And they don't know you. They want something. So you're like, what is it? What you? And I'm like, I'm great. What is it? <laughs> you have people that you're friends with names. Yeah. So what I did, I reported two people already. Mm. They kind of stopped doing it. I don't know if it's the same person doing it. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, the scam is getting real right now. That you asking for money? And I was like, no, that's not me. Yeah. That's not me. These scams are getting serious. The Cash App scams, the Instagram, every scam is getting real right now. I had somebody try to um, (laughs) do a Cash App scam with me. The good thing about my Cash App is I never keep my card on there. Like, literally, if I have to use it, I'll do the transaction, and then I'll take my card off immediately. So whatever they're trying to do ain't nothing attached to it for them to do it anyway. And they kept trying to, like, request money. I was just like, block, delete, and then they come back again, block, delete. I mean, whatever you're trying to do, they request money from you? Yes, absolutely. Oh, and I they, but No, but this is the thing. Just like you said, they'll have your friends. They don't have, um, it won't be a random stranger where you can be like, oh, no. It will be one of my friend's names out of my phone, and then right. it will add because I remember one time and it took every bone in my body not to go off my friend and then I had to realize, wait a minute, she would never do that. Let me make sure this <laughs> call them up. Yeah, that's their best friend. They they hit me up and they said, Hey, I, I'm so sorry I'm at the um at the store. I forgot my wallet at home. If you if you send me $150 now, I'll give it back to you in 30 minutes. I'm like, wait a minute. First of all, no. <laughs> but second of all, we that's it's a friend that's like an associate. We ain't even cool for you to borrow a dollar from me for so long hundred fifty dollars. And then and then you got a whole husband. Why you ask him? Why you call me? So I'm already like mad trying to figure out and I'm like, hey, let me just call her. <laughs> she was like, That wasn't me. I was like, Okay, cool. I was just for the second. I was gonna go off. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm like, what? And everybody I don't ask nobody for nothing. Yeah. Right. But uh-uh. Not, I don't even ask my family or anything because I, I don't want to hear the word no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I do for everybody. But, you know, people have selected memory when it comes down to them. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But I'm not even, I don't remind people of what I did for them because if I did it for them, I did it because I wanted to. And I do stuff from the heart, you know, even with the comedy thing. So that means like, you're not petty. You watch comedian sleep on my couch. So that means you're not petty, because most people when they remind you they petty. Oh no, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't, 
don't do that. <laughs> so now, what are some words? They really want you to give it to me out of spite. Right. <laughs> now, my next question: What are some words of wisdom you will give any upcoming entertainer or entrepreneur? For as far as comedians, you know, tell them to stay humble, keep writing, and performing. You know, you need that stage. You need that originality. You know, you need that confidence on stage. And writing is the key. But the bottom line is, if you don't make it in stand up, then I would be a writer. They make more money. That's true. But they're consistent. Comedy, you're here today, gone tomorrow. They're always writers. Even comedians need writers. Don't think Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock don't have their writers in their trunk. They got their writers. You know, the thing is, you come up with the premise because they're so good at what they do, they can finish it. You write together, you know? And nobody's beyond help. Everybody needs help. And nobody got nowhere in this business without somebody giving them a hand. Absolutely. So stay humble. You know, don't burn bridges with everybody. Even with comedians, you know. Oh, I don't want anybody stealing my joke. If your joke that good enough for somebody to still be flattered, nobody can do it like the original. Nobody, nobody's moved the band though, sorry. That's right. Keep doing your joke. And there's nothing new under the sun. The person that can't write the joke, they can't come up with nothing new. And mm-hmm. you're going to be, I forgot about that joke anyway. Yep. Because that's a good writer. You're not going to do 10 years of the same joke. You know, so forget about it. Be flattered that somebody even trying to steal it. Right. Now, I know, I know I heard some people say that. They that joke, they don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, the, I, as an artist, I understand why people will get offended when you steal like a joke or whatever it is. Because it's like, dang, I work hard on it and hear this fool over here, you know, snatching <laughs> my swag. But, but the, problem, I, the problem with that is, they can't do it like the original. I'm going to stop doing True. my job. I'm like, I'll be going behind and say, and this is how it really goes. And listen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then dust your shoulders off like now. Take that. That's right. This is how it really goes. Good luck trying to do it like me, but you can't. Exactly. <laughs> and if you got enough comedy writing under your belt, you don't even have to do that joke anymore. Yeah. You know? It's just like, okay, you got that. But check this out. <laughs> you know what's so funny? Like, it's, we're trying to get a beat down. Okay, here we go. Listen, and the funny thing is, because I'm like I said, I've been around comedy so long. They're like, "What? What are you going to do comedy?" I'm like, I can't do. Well, I can't say I can't. That's not my lane. Just because I know when it comes to stand up, it's a whole nother beast in writing, mm-hmm. and. If somebody comes at me wrong, like for example, somebody was to steal my joke, I wouldn't be able to get on a stage and not I, my whole set would change to roasting them for stealing my joke. <laughs> so I, I don't even think I can because I I'm sensitive about certain stuff. So it's like I don't think I have the temperament to do it because I'll be ready to fight. <laughs> so like I can write in hand you. Anger is you know what the best stand up I've seen people do angry stand up because you speaking your mind. True. How you feel? Oh, no, I can get on. And people know. And go to hell off. <laughs> <laughs> Man, look, if that's all stand up is, I can go on stage and go to hell off. But I don't know if I can just, you know. I love the angry stand up, but you you speaking like I mean this shit. <laughs> you know, there it is. I mean, mm-hmm. and people can pick up on yes, I love it. <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm like, did somebody, you say, did somebody record that? Because I don't remember nothing. They were cracking up. Mm-hmm. 
time because when you come up sometimes you come up with improv off the top of your head you might not remember it oh yeah come on and that's like me writing because I write songs and lyrics and stuff like that. And like, you know how you have like a good melody in your head and you're like, oh, let me write this down. I'll record it because if I don't, I'm not going to remember this for 30 exactly. minutes later. <laughs> you got the audience cracking up or something. You just blurt it out. It's like, oh my God, maybe I should keep that as a hook. That's how hooks come. You come up with hooks. Absolutely. People remember the hook. And that's they're sure. the live be saying it. It's like, oh God, I got to keep that. Mm. That's what we put on t-shirts. And people... Speaking of, I'm wearing one of my own shirts now. Feel me? I feel the type of something. There you go. Uh, <laughs> where are you located? Atlanta? I am. Mm -hmm. Okay. I was supposed to come to Atlanta this year. I usually go like twice a year. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't make well, it. Well, we open. We, we shouldn't be, but we open. <laughs> That's what I know. So I'm like, I'm not going there. They, they're hard-headed. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, Charles asked me to come to Tyler's funeral. Charles uh, Gregory? But I ain't trying to die for her. Yeah. yeah he paid for me to come. And that's that live stream, and that's all them people. That's I'm so glad I didn't go. Yeah. I called Judah Brown because he said some funny stuff. <laughs> Man, listen, now, you saw, so then I, that means you you saw Dirty South get, get up there and go off, right? Yeah, but they were scared she was going to say something about their relationship while his wife was Well, there. I didn't expect her to say what she said. I was like, okay. She only came up because Judy Brown told her to come up there. They had skipped yeah. her. They took her name off on purpose. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, because you know his wife was there and they didn't want her, you know, they used to. Yeah, I know, I know the back history. I just, I just didn't expect exactly. her to tell her. <laughs> I Judy Brown, I guess he didn't know that. So he was like, no, bring her yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. I, I love Dodie South. Don't get it twisted. I love all oh, she, of them. Yeah, she's a fool with it. <laughs> she's a complete listen. When I come down and she be like, I love you, Miss Tina. I love you, Miss Tina. She kissed all over my face. I bring you, yeah, I love you too, boo. Now get off me. Right. I love you, Miss Tina. I love you, Miss Tina. She's so sweet. She, oh, she's a sweetheart, boo. If you ain't used to that energy, you'd be like, all right, now it's Atlanta. Get up off me because. You know, <laughs> I just let her keep going. I love the attention, honey. Yeah, go ahead, girl. Yeah, okay. Right. You can find it in a minute. <laughs> well, before we get out of here, I always try to end Candy Kisses with some fun little segments. Our next segment is called Kiss or Diss. So these are celebrity crushes. So I'm going to throw out the name and you're going to decide who you're kissing and who you're dissing. Okay. You <laughs> All right. So we have Michael B. Jordan or Idris Elba. Who you kissing, who you dissing? That's a menage a trois. Sorry. You know what? <laughs> you only supposed to pick one. It's only gonna be one menage a trois. Uh, okay. All right. Idris, Idris. <laughs> All right. Next. I like one. him dark and lovely, honey. I like him dark and lovely. Okay. The next <laughs> one, Method Man or Ti? Who you kissing? Who you dissing? Girl, M E T H O D Man. Okay. <laughs> All day long. <laughs> All right, last one. Forrest Whitaker or Flavor Flav? Who you kissing? Who you dissing? I'm going to have to go with the weak eye. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look like he's winking at me all the time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and there you have it for that. <laughs> all right. Now, our last, <laughs> last segment is our DAQs, and that stands for dumbass questions. They're just random questions I want answers to. <laughs> All right. What is the stupidest thing you've ever done because someone dared you to? Ooh. 
That's hard. People don't jam me to do anything. Uh, back in the day, we used to do prank calls. Okay. <laughs> we used to call people in the middle of the night and say, is your refrigerator running? And they'd be like, yeah. They said, well, you better go run after it. <laughs> My mama used to tell me that when she's Listen, she used to, she was telling me about one little thing. She was saying anytime she would get mad at her boyfriend, um, she would say, um, "Do you have a um, a bat or something?" It was something that she used to say. Something about, "Oh, do you have a, a mitt?" And then she was, and he's like, "What? Do you have a mitt?" Like, do you have a mitt? And he was like, "What kind of mitt?" She's like, "Just catch this." And she would hang up the phone. And I'm like, "Well, I don't understand." She was like, "You know, catch this." I'm like, "You know what? Just together." <laughs> she would use anything just to get off the phone. I'm like, "Lord." funny all right next question would you rather be trapped in an elevator with 11 men with body odor or trapped in the elevator with three soap dogs three what dogs soaps wet dogs <laughs> well i'm gonna have to hold my nose i ain't trying to do no dogs <laughs> so you would do the man with the body odor wait a minute what's the question again would you rather be trapped in an elevator with 11 men with body odor or trapped in an elevator with three wet dogs? Oh, three wet dogs? Yes. What are we doing in the elevator? Standing there? Trapped. <laughs> See, dogs love me and I love dogs. So, okay. it wet dogs. Okay. <laughs> I can't stand body odor. I can't, I can't handle the funk, bless it, pee funk. <laughs> All right, now, if you could give a wedgie to any historical figure, who would it be? A wedgie? <laughs> you got some crazy ass questions. <laughs> a wedgie? Hmm. This is who I don't like. It ain't too many I don't like, so. Okay. Wedgie. It'd be a prank, right? You say what? It would be a prank. Right, and it got to be a historical figure. Oh, historical figure. Yes. Historical? <laughs> I don't know. You mean like Rosa Parks or something like that? Whoever, whatever historical figure you want to do. I'd like to give Donald Trump a win. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to give him a wedgie. Not oh, he historical. Man, listen. <laughs> Going down as the worst president ever. I will give him the ultimate wedgie. <laughs> I want to pull it all the way over his head. How about that? What is going to come over that hair? I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. So that is it for the segments. Now, before we get out of here, I always like to play this game. Sing a do. During the quarantine, me and a good friend of mine, well, actually my DJ mentor, shout out to DJ All Star, we created a game called Sing a Do. It's a musical game. Um, and what you're doing is you're going to sing the melody of the song, but you can only use the word do. And you win by guessing as many songs as possible. So we have different categories. So we have hip hop and R&B, <laughs> hits, pop and billboard hits, country rock, sing a do favorites, old school, TV themes, and party and dance hits. So I'm going to do a couple to, so you can get an idea of how it goes, and then okay. I'll let you do a couple. So I'm going to start off with, um, 
Well, actually, what do you do? What do you want to start off? You want to do hip hop? You want to do greatest hits? What do you want to start off with? R and B. Okay. All right. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Do 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 You pick what song? Yeah, you pick a song and then you have to do it and then uh -oh. tell me when you pick it and then I'll put the card down. Okay. Uh forget me not. You're not supposed to tell me. Oops. You <laughs> so what when I hold it up, you just look at which one you want to do and tell okay. me you're ready. And I'm gonna put it down, then you're gonna do it, and then I'm gonna guess which okay. one you're doing. All right, you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Got it? Okay. All right, go ahead. I don't even know how to do it now. <laughs> That's what make it hard. Uh, uh, ain't nobody high enough? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, try another one. Oh my God. Got it? Got it. Okay. Da, da, da. Oh, goodness, wait, wait. oh, it's hard to do without singing a song. <laughs> you just do the melody, that's all. Uh, 
Just replace the words with do. That's all you do. Oh no, that's a different song. You gonna try another one? That's hard. Oh my god, I'm gonna sing the song. Can I hum it? Go ahead. media and um soon a uh, podcast because i know that's coming next so let them know how to follow you again okay you can follow me on instagram at the real miss tina graham and that's t-h-e-r-e-a-l-m-s tina graham t-i-n-a-g-r-a-h-a-m and on facebook it's just tina graham i have four pages if you get on one you're lucky <laughs> but i do have a fan page it's, it's just tina graham yeah. So that's me all day. Right. But any comedian that's headliners, I'm only booking headliners at the the um the Deepak Comedy Club in Chicago in uh Detroit. So anybody wanna go if you're in town, let me know and I can let Karen Addison shout out to Karen Addison for hiring me to book her comedy club. And it was a pleasure being on your show. Well, thank you so much. I see you do stand up. I gotta see you. I'm not a Yeah, but it's a long story. Yeah, 
I got one. Okay. It was this couple, right? Mm -hmm. And they wanted to have a baby really bad. And the wife couldn't conceive, so they went and had fertilization. So they had the baby, and the doctor told, um, told the couple it might have some complications. So they said, okay, we'll take that risk. We want a baby that bad. So they, they took the fertilization. She had the baby. It was a complication, though. The baby came out. It was just a head. Nobody, just a head. Hmm. So the couple said, we're going to love it just like it was a normal baby. So the father, they took the, the head. They raised the head. When the head turned 21, <clears throat> the father took it to the bar and set the head on the bar and told the bar, he said, Barkey, my son just turned 21. Give him a drink. So he gave him a drink. And the funniest thing happened. He started going to net arms and torso the father said oh my god it's a miracle give him another one and the bar said the partner said you sure he said yeah give him another one he gave him another one he started throwing the stomach butt and everything he said oh my god give him another one he gave him another one he grew the legs the thighs the legs and the feet and stood up and dropped dead <laughs> the bar Turned around and said, Oh my God, he should have stopped while he was ahead. You know what? <laughs> oh my God. Okay. That, was <laughs> that is hard. <laughs> what was he? That's what I'm saying. Like the jokes I know be like, Long was like that. It's like, I know you want to be here. Listen to long jokes. <laughs> well, let me stop while I'm ahead. <laughs> Well, that has been another episode of Candy Kisses TV. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe. Tune in every Sunday, Monday, and Thursday at 11 a.m. on Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most importantly, YouTube. And we will see you next time. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Candy Kisses TV is sponsored by Singadoo and Kissable Lips Cosmetics. Subscribe, like, and comment. Tune in every Sunday, Monday, and Thursday.